0: So far, every single week of this podcast has been my favorite, (laughs) and this week is no different. And in fact, as soon as I decided that I wanted season two to be all about living an inspired life, like right then, I got this book in the mail. Called Sparked by Jonathan Fields, and it's all about how to work inspired and how to do the work that inspires you most. And I knew that very second that I was going to do this season on Live Inspired and that I was going to have Jonathan on this podcast. Because what he shares is so important. You know, every single month, news is reporting that a record number of people are quitting their jobs in search of something new. Obviously, the craziness of the pandemic in the past two years has caused a lot of people to reexamine what really brings them joy and what kind of work they want to do. And Jonathan and this book, Sparked, helps you figure that out. There's an assessment in the book, and you can also take it online. And what it does is it helps you figure out what inspires you most about some of the work you do, but also what depletes you most about some of the work you do. So you're basically able to figure out what type of work inspires you most and why. And this doesn't have to be just about your job. This could be about hobbies, why certain hobbies really fill your cup and fill you up, and why certain activities don't. And this assessment was so dead on for me. It was so accurate and it helped me to understand why I do the work that I do and how I can also, you know, look for new hobbies or look for new work that will fill me up. Because as many of you know, so I was a professional athlete and then I injured my leg and I haven't retired, but you know, it's, it's somewhat retiring me from my sport. But the reality is I would have retired at some point. Anyways, you can't be a professional athlete forever. So the idea of this book and this assessment is it's all about figuring out why you love the work you do. So for me, why, what is it that I loved so much about snowboarding and how can I actually shift that into something else? You know, There's always going to be a lot of change in our lives, whether it's a pandemic or an injury or a divorce or just deciding to take on a new career path. Knowing the things that drive you allows you to shift and adapt that much better. And I love this book and this assessment so much that I instantly had my husband do it. And once again, it was absolutely dead on for him as well. I had my parents do it. <laughs> I've had pretty much everybody in my family do it. And it's so accurate. And, it, you know, we talk about this in the episode as well. When you ask yourself the right questions, that's when you get the best answers. Answers, And that's what this book allows you to do. That's what this entire podcast is about. So if you are someone who is now thinking that your job isn't the right one, or maybe you've left the workforce and you need help finding something that really brings you joy and excitement, this episode is for you. But first, did you see that my live inspired jewelry collection with tiny tags is out? It's now available. And I just want to let you guys know that holiday shipping ends on December 15th. So if you're going to order, you want to place your order right away. Also, this is the last week that 20% of the order goes to Adaptive Action Sports, the nonprofit organization that I run with my husband, where we teach people with disabilities how to snowboard. We also train athletes for the Paralympic snowboard team. And what this jewelry line means to me is it means resilience. It's a reminder of resilience. That's why we created an arrow so that you can always be reminded that sometimes we have to be pulled back in order to go forward. There's also a necklace that says, live inspired. That is a reminder for you to live an inspired life. I am loving the stories that you're sharing with me of who you're buying the necklace for, and some of you are buying it for yourself, which I love as well. The link to shop is in my show notes, or you can go to my Instagram page, click on the link in my bio, and you can shop there as well. At the age of 19, I lost both of my legs below the knees, which changed my life forever. It made me dig deep and build my resilience. And through that, I've been able to accomplish some amazing things. I'm a three-time Paralympic medalist, New York Times bestselling author, Dancing with the Stars runner-up, and a world-renowned motivational speaker. I created this podcast to cheer you on and to remind you that every challenge must be met with one question. How can you not just survive life's challenges, but thrive through them? I'm Amy Purdy, and this is Bouncing Forward. I am so excited about your book, Sparked. It, it's It came at the perfect time because not only is the world right now trying to figure out what are we doing, what do we want to do, we all want to do work that sparks us, that we want to do work that lights us up. I've been going through so much on my own as well. Um, I just want to thank you for writing this book. It, honestly, it's just so perfect. I love it.
1: I'm so glad to hear that. you know, I feel like so many of us are in this moment in time right now and so many of us, it's like the world has been dropped into this moment where we're all asking the big questions and um, whether we wanted to or not. you know we're sort of like so many of us are being forced to. And while it's kind of bundled with a lot of disruption, I really feel like the 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 net effect of it, the outcome is going to be people really reexamining like what came before this, what was a bargain that I made that got me here? Do I want to keep that bargain going? And sometimes you can't, like it's simply not available to you anymore. And then, like, what do I want the future to look like? And for me, the like the jumping off point is always self discovery because that's what lets you be intentional about the next step.
0: Right, and I think it, it's funny because this has been a common theme in this season of the podcast is, if you ask the right questions, then you get the best answers. And I feel like that's what your book does. It makes you ask the questions. What inspired you to write the book?
1: Yeah, you know, I've been thinking about this a lot recently. And the book is really the evolution. It's sort of like the last big step—not the last big step, but it's the most recent big step. Really, in a big question that got set in motion for me 20 years ago. So, I spent my entire life in New York. So I was there during 9/11, and you know, like everybody else who's a longtime New Yorker, knew people who were involved in a lot of different ways, and and knew somebody who didn't come home that day. You know, someone who was similar to me in age, who was married, who had two young kids, and. Beautiful new home, and has just been made partner in the firm that basically most of that firm was lost that day, and it really made me start thinking. you know, We're none of us are made any promises, right? We wake up in the morning and we think we kind of know how we're going to end the day, and we don't. And um, I don't have to tell you this, right? You've experienced this so many times in your journey, even over the last couple of years. And so that that moment for me, it just it set something a fire inside of me that made me really say, okay, so if we don't have any promises and if the thing that we spend something like half of our waking hours doing for our entire adult lives is a thing we call work, how do we do it in a way that gives us the feeling that we want to have beyond the paycheck, beyond our sort of like values around financial security, which matters. But how do we feel like it's it's meaningful to us? We have a sense of purpose. Like we can lose ourselves in flow. Like we're energized and excited by it. And that was kind of brewing under the surface. And I spent a lot of years running my own experiments, building my own companies. And about five years ago, it sort of really came together in more of like a formal question, which is, what is the work that makes me come alive? And there's some great tools out there and indexes and processes. And there's a lot of academic research in different pieces of it. And then there's a lot of spiritual practice. But I wasn't seeing anything that was very straightforward and accessible and valuable and actionable. And I started wondering, I'm like, I wonder if there's a set of imprints or impulses that we all have for work that would give us this feeling of being sparked or coming alive. And if there are, I wonder if you could identify them and map them, and then maybe build tools that would help people discover them for themselves. So I spent a bunch of time deconstructing thousands of jobs and titles and roles. And I kept asking, what's underneath that? And these 10 impulses kept showing up, different combinations and different pairings. And then once I realized that, you know, okay, so I think we have these, the, the impulses identified, I also realized that each one of them has their own kind of quirky set of tendencies and behaviors and preferences that wrap around them and form archetypes. And I started calling them sparkotypes really because it's just a fun way to say, you know, the archetype for work that sparks you. I was getting tremendous feedback, but I wanted feedback at a much higher level, I wanted real data. So we spent all of 2018 building an assessment and we launched it out of beta at the end of the year. And as we have this conversation, about 600,000 people have completed that, generating over 30 million data points, Wow! stunning levels of like validation, like crazy levels of insight and nuance, and then a mountain of people then reflecting back to us their own unique stories and use cases and applications and how this shows up, you know, and now that starts to become this like giant sort of reservoir of intel in my head. And at some point I needed to get it out of my head because (laughs) all signs were pointing to me that, and I was like, "All right, we need to create one singular reference that just has everything that I know about these types and how they show up and how you can use them in your own life and how you can use them in business and all this stuff. And that was really the genesis of the book. It was like, let me just take everything I've learned Over years and big data now, and just a mountain of stories, and distill it into one single reference that anybody can interact with and learn from.
0: You did a fantastic job with the book. I mean, right off the bat, it has the assessment test, and then you're so excited to figure out what you are. And then you want to learn about it, how you can bring that into the world, the different types of work that you can do. It was so dead on. It is exactly who I am all the way down to your downfalls or like, you know, the things that you're challenged with as that spark type. Would you know what I am? Are you able to pick out spark
1: types? (laughs) I would, you know, this is really funny because I've been asked that a lot. When I was doing the early development, I was also running these two-day strategy consulting groups where I'd have like eight people around a table and we'd go deep into their work and their business. And at the end of it, I was like, okay, so what do you think? And like, tell me your sparkotypes. And they're like, no, 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 no. Like you go around the table and after spending two days with us, you tell us what ours are. And I was wrong for a whole bunch of them. (laughs) But what I learned is that, and this is what's so fascinating to me, I can't always tell from the outside in because so often the deeper impulse isn't actually what shows up on the surface or it could be expressed in a way where it's it's really not obvious what's driving it but once somebody discovers it like mm-hmm. you can you can see the through line really quickly to it so so i probably wouldn't try and guess yours but i'm yeah. super curious what it is
0: <laughs> so mine was the sage you know i love learning in the way that I can turn around and share with others, like that, the two go hand in hand for me. I want to be able to inspire people. What's really interesting is it also said one of the challenges you have is depletion. And as a motivational speaker, you know, and you do this as well. So right now everything's moved online. All I'm doing is working. I love my work. You know, my work, it helps me, it helps others. I've worked so hard to get here. There's there's so much uh, fulfillment in it. And yet at the same time, I've found myself so depleted. And in fact, that's a word that's been used so much just in the last couple of weeks. How do I continue to do this job that I love so much without being depleted? So, I mean, it was just dead on for me.
1: You know, it's interesting, right? Because if you look at you look at your body of work, or sort of like your quote, adult career. Uh, like you said, a lot of people would probably think from the outside in, well, there was this season of your life where like the central thing you identified as is like a pro athlete. So then you're right. like, okay, so how does, like where does the stage come into you being this elite level competitive athlete? But then when you actually understand the deeper impulse at every step along the way, what have you done in addition to the competition? You have constantly turned around and been in this position where it's like, okay, so I'm experiencing this thing. And I'm also a human being and we're all human beings. Let me share what I'm experiencing and anything that I discover, anything that I learned that might be helpful, that might be of use to you. Let me share that with you. And maybe it'll help. Like literally from the moment that you started competing from at least how long that I've seen, like your body of work, that's been your MO, you know? So it's really interesting to sort of like see that parallel um, go alongside this super elite level competitive athlete. Do, do, I mean, from the outside looking in, that's what it looks like. Is that Does that resonate with you?
0: Absolutely. I did that part where you ask yourself questions about each one of those jobs that you've had that light you up and that inspire you. And for me, the three jobs that have inspired me, and I was able to break it down into why, is one, being an athlete. Two, dancing and dancing with the stars and three being a speaker. And I realize what I'm doing in all three is I'm trying to figure out the possibilities and share it with others. Yeah. you know, I didn't love to just snowboard and keep it all to myself. You know, dancing with the stars, it's not just look what I can do. It was like, oh my gosh, this is possible. This is what we can do. And you know, really trying to share that with others. And I realize that's kind of been my drive, yeah and motivation.
1: Do you remember what your shadow type was? You sort of like runner up?
0: Yeah. And so that was, and this was kind of interesting. Um, well, I believe this to be true, but there was another one that I was curious about as well. So my shadow was advocate. And that's definitely right. Because when I think about What are the things that really just light you up when you put money aside or put the things, obligations aside? I always feel like a part of myself that I haven't really developed enough is being a stronger advocate. I love being able to share a voice that maybe others don't have or don't know how to share. You know, I love being able to represent an Underserved community. I always visualize myself standing in front of Congress, you know, fighting for rights. Like that's, it's interesting. I haven't really done that, but um, it, it's amazing that that came up as my shadow.
1: So let me offer an observation, and I'm really curious if it lands with you. Is it possible that one of the things that you love about snowboarding was the fact that in pursuing this, um, in doing it in a very public way and at the highest level, you are effectively physicalizing the act of advocacy for inclusivity in that entire process.
0: Yes, absolutely. You know, I think there's always been a drive of figuring things out so that not to prove to other people what I can do, but then in the act of doing that, you are showing others what they can do. You're also kind of blurring the lines between being disabled and being almost super abled and being able to represent that is definitely, like you're saying, a, a form of advocacy.
1: And I love that frame because I think a lot of times we don't realize what's really happening under the hood. and that's a lot of what like this whole body of work is about because if you can understand what the deeper impulse is, then if you hit a moment in time where that thing that on the surface seems like your thing, ends or you can't do it in the way that you used to be able to do which happens like for so many people if you understand what the deeper impulse was you can almost always find a way to like reimagine how that impulse finds a new outlet even right. if the the former surface level expression is no longer available to you so it gives you a certain amount of like freedom and continuity where you don't have to stop being who you are simply because the way you were expressing it isn't easily accessible to you anymore. I think that's such a powerful stance to be in.
0: That is so powerful. I, you know, I've gone through a crazy injury 2 years ago. It took me it makes me want to cry. <laughs> ah, I'm crying. Okay. It took me out of snowboarding and it's so interesting because lately all I've done is is focus my energy on speaking and connecting and learning, but you know, just this one part of me. And in the past, I snowboarded full-time, traveled the world, competed physically, challenged myself, physically pushed myself every day. But then I also had the speaking part that I was able to kind of share what I was learning along the way. So really the two kind of went hand in hand to me. And ever since this injury, you know, I'm not snowboarding. I'm not dancing. I'm just shifting all my energy to speaking. And then I wonder, you know, why do I feel depleted? And and I keep thinking, gosh, because I'm also not filling myself up. Like I'm not kind of filling my cup. I'm now in a position where I'm just kind of giving, giving, giving of myself. And so uh, what just made me so excited about this book and and the questions that you ask and that I've been asking myself is it's helping me figure out what, like you said, what's the driving force? Like, okay, you, okay, if you can't snowboard anymore, and here's the thing, you know, I may have retired anyways, injury or not, I may not be, you know, I'm not going to be a competitive athlete forever anyways. And I have thought about retiring anyways. And so, so I'm thinking, okay, So what is the driving force of why I loved what I did so much and how can I change that into something else? That's so important because exactly like we retire, life changes, a pandemic hits, your job or an entire industry disappears, or you just find you've changed and you don't want to do the same thing you were doing before. So being able to figure out that driving force that makes you feel alive and and why you did what you did, that's so important.
1: It gives you freedom, right? It, and, and what is, what's cool? It gives you freedom, not just to choose, but it gives you freedom to evolve. Right. It gives you freedom to, to sort of like step into the next evolution of whatever season of, of your identity, your life, who that essential self is and not feel like, you know, sure, on the surface, you're probably going to feel a sense of loss. There's going to be a grieving process that goes on. But at the same time, you lose the recent expression of something, but you don't lose your identity. You right. get to take that with you, and that's like that's game changing because you grieve that surface level thing, but you don't grieve the loss of yourself when you really understand what the deeper essence that gave you that feeling is.
0: I love how you just put that. It's like there's other expressions to find or discover, <laughs> other ways to express yourself.
1: Yeah, I think we're all in this question, and if we weren't before, we are now.
0: I read today 4.3 million Americans quit their jobs in August alone. Yeah. So then you go, okay, what's everybody looking for here? You know, it's amazing what COVID has done. I think it's made us really rethink what we're doing. Do we want to go back to what we were doing? It's made us be more in touch with ourselves and know more of who we are, but you need help sometimes figuring out, okay, what's that next step? And I think this book is so perfect for that. This could be absolutely life-changing for so many.
1: I so appreciate that.
0: So talking about spark types, can you maybe describe a couple of the others?
1: Yeah. So I guess I'll I'll share mine also. When you take the assessment or when you read in the book, you'll see that each person, we share these three different things. One I call your primary sparkotype. Think of that as like your strongest impulse for work that makes you come alive. And then your shadow sparkotype. And that's not shadow in like the Jungian term, like the dark side. It's just, it lives in the shadow of the primary. So it's kind of like your next strongest impulse. A lot of people have this other relationship where you, you're good at it. You enjoy doing it, but you also do it in no small part because it helps you do the work of your primary at a higher level. And then you have this thing called your anti-sparketype. And that's the work that's like your heaviest lift. It empties you out the most and requires the greatest recovery. So for me, I'll share my three in my profile. I'm my primary is a maker. And the impulse behind the maker is to make ideas manifest. It's all about the process of creation. It's like this fiercely generative impulse. And you wake up in the morning and all you want to do is make stuff. I've been that way since I was a kid from my very, very earliest memories. Like, you know, literally anything I could get my hands on, like building stuff when I was a little kid, painting when I was in high school building bicycles my entire life, and eventually renovating houses. Then as I got older, building companies, brands, books, experiences, media. It's always the process of creation that really, really excites me out. My shadow is the scientist. And the impulse for the scientist is all about figuring things out. So scientist is all about burning questions, puzzles, problems, quandaries. Very often, the the thornier, the more wicked, the more complex, the better because that lets you spend more time in the question. Um, and these two work really well together, because when I'm making something, I'm always going to get stuck at some point. And I sort of like, I drop into the scientist impulse to figure out, like, how do I get through this thing? that that's How do I figure out a solution to this problem or an, a, an answer to the puzzle? And then I drop back into creation mode. So the maker and the scientist, they work really well together. And there's an, another really interesting overlap, which is that they're both really process heavy. So I can lose myself in the process of creation, and I can lose myself in the process of problem solving. And they both require you to spend a lot of time living in the question, living in the state of uncertainty and the unknown. And that's amazing because that's where new stuff happens. That's where possibility exists. But it's also just on a on a personal and a human level, it can be a tough space to be. Because as the stakes rise, when there's a lot of uncertainty, we're not really wired to handle that. So I've had to equip myself with practices like meditation and breathing exercises over the years to learn how to be okay in that space because I'm kind of wired to do it. I'm always going to do it, but it took a lot out of me because I couldn't handle it psychologically. So over time, I've learned to scaffold myself so that I can be, I can sustain that state for a long time and do the work that I feel like I'm really here to do. And then my anti-sparketype is actually something I call the essentialist. And the work of the essentialist, I think that might be, was that yours also?
0: It was. Mm -hmm. Okay.
1: So so the impulse for the essentialist is to create order out of chaos. It's all about systems, process, clarity, utility. For me, I love the fact that we have people like in our team that actually have that impulse. In fact, my podcast uh, editor, Lindsay, is an essentialist. So I love the fact that we have these massive spreadsheets and editorial calendars and because I benefit magically from them. And I also love the fact that I'm not the one doing them because at that work, um, as much as it really fills some people up, it kind of makes me want to cry. And when I have to do it, um, I really feel like I just have to go for a walk or get outside. I have to, I have to recover from it <laughs> after I do it. Right. So like I've learned that about myself. So those are like three more that would be my profile.
0: Yeah, I'm exactly the same. It's kind of interesting because I love when things are in order. But if you looked at my bathroom right now, you wouldn't think that I would put things in order. I'm like, clearly this it's not something I enjoy that much. But yet when there's a system that can be put in place and you know, even with my podcaster, you know, I like to I like formats, I like to figure out formats, but I like somebody else to figure it out for me. <laughs> yeah,
1: we're we're very much the same in that way. <laughs>
0: yeah, I would say so. But you know, then you hire somebody who does that, who their archetype, like you said, is essentialist. Maybe that's I mean, Jeff, I think he's more of an essentialist than I am. Also, I know I've mentioned this a few times, but I want you to explain it a little bit more. You have something that you call the SEI, and that's fascinating. So can you explain that a little bit more?
1: Yeah, for sure. So, you know, it's really cool to learn what your Sparkotype is, like what your unique profile is. And for a lot of people immediately they just start connecting the dots. They look back at like all these experiences they've had. Oh, this is what was happening. This is why I love this so much. And this is why I didn't love it so much. But we want to get a lot more granular and create a tool to kind of help you say, okay, let me look back at my life and really identify the ways and the moments and the things where my spark type was really able to show up. And we look back at, at these four different contexts. We look at the jobs that you've had in the past. We look at the roles that you played. We look at the, the devotions and activities and also courses of study or things where you've actually invested energy in learning. And this becomes a really – this forms an inventory, what we call the, the SEI or the Type Expression Inventory. And it's it's a really good starting point for those who are looking to try and figure out, well, if the work that I'm doing right now actually doesn't really align all that well with what I now know to be my Sparkotype, what should I do about it? And you can look at this inventory and say – well, here are a bunch of ways that I know this has shown up in the past in a really effective way that make me come alive. Maybe I can look at the work that I'm doing now and see, like, is there a way to do any of this in the work that I'm doing? Or are there variations of the way that I've done it in the past that I can now do in the work that I'm doing? Or if you're someone who's looking for new work, right, that 4.3 million that you mentioned earlier that have left their jobs just in August alone, and you're looking for something new and you really want to feel like you're much more fully expressed in that new thing, it helps you get a sense for what to look for when you're, you know, trying to figure out what to say yes or no to.
0: You know, it's so interesting because we always want people to give us answers or we want books to give us answers, but so much comes down to asking ourselves questions and then that's how you get the answers and that's what I love about that portion of the book it it allowed me to really really think in a way that i haven't thought of before like what are the things about that job that really lit me up you know and how can i apply that to what i want to do next or even use that as a guide to to what i should be looking for because i know myself better
1: and the other thing about it is it doesn't limit it to jobs like to paid work You know, we're also looking at like, maybe you're a parent or maybe you're a caretaker, you know, like, and there was something about that experience that lit you up. Like maybe it was a hobby or an activity or some devotion, you know, that all counts to me like that. All those things give you hints. Three years ago, I took a month off and I lived above this old partially renovated roadhouse in rural Pennsylvania. And I was working like physical working with my body and my hands 13 hours a day What I was doing is I was working side-by-side with a luthier or a master guitar builder, and he was teaching me how to build a guitar. So I was working like really, really hard. i take one 40-minute break for lunch for a month, and I paid thousands of dollars for the opportunity to do this thing. I literally am paying (laughs) money to create an instrument that I could have bought probably a 10 times better instrument for half the price and not have spent a ton of hours of my own time building it but i did it simply because of the feeling that it gave me and it was one of the most amazing experiences that i've had in years
0: i always say you know if you would pay to do the work instead of getting paid to do it that's when you know you really love it yep <laughs> i mean that's you know and i and we just don't really do that enough i love that you did that and it makes me think of what am I not doing that really could be lighting me up? And I love that this isn't just the work that you do. It's also just how are you finding purpose?
1: Yeah, for sure. So I keep using this phrase coming alive or being sparked. And what I mean when I'm actually saying that, like when I talk about doing work that makes you come alive, think of a Venn diagram with five different states that are really important to human flourishing. One of them is meaningfulness. Like you're doing something and it gives you a feeling of meaning. Like it really matters. The second one is access to flow. You know, that incredible state where the world vanishes from away from you. You become absorbed in the activity and can not even differentiate yourself from it. And time flies. You blink and you think you've been doing it for, you know, 10 minutes and it's been five hours. The third one is excitement and energy. Even if you know it's going to be hard work and maybe a lot of hours, are you excited to do it and does it energize you? And the fourth one is what I call expressed potential or performance. Like, are you accessing? that sense that all of your potential is being brought to bear. And the fifth one is what you just shared also is purpose. And I feel like that functions on two levels. One, an immediate sense of purpose. Like we know what we're working towards and it matters to us. And then more broadly, a sense of what researchers call purpose in life or that feeling like you're doing the thing you're here to do. And when you can work in a way that elicits sort of like as much of those five states as possible – When I use the phrase coming alive, that's actually what I'm talking about.
0: So since this season is all about living an inspired life, do you have one piece of advice that you can share for our listeners on how they can stay inspired in their life?
1: So the obvious one would be discover your sparkotype and then align your work um, with that deeper impulse. Let's just assume that that's out there. That's what the whole conversation has been about. I think a different invitation is built around urgency. Don't wait to step out from behind the curtain of expectation, the facade that we tend to wear that was never ours and yet we've lived into for most of our lives. Just create the you, like let the you that is more essential, that is more true, take the lead, take the reins. I think a lot of times we feel like we have to wait to earn the right to let that person out, to earn a certain amount of status, to earn a certain amount of money before we can actually let that person out. So often we never do. And then we hit that point in our lives wishing that we had just been that person for our whole lives. And imagine what would happen if you just decided to let go of that veil of expectation and step into life as you are, who you are, and let people respond to you. Whether they love you or whether they don't love you, simply living without that weight is transformative.
0: That is powerful. You know, and I think a lot of people just don't know who they really are because they've been living this facade because that's your job. Whatever you show up as, that's that's who you're supposed to be. But then you kind of lose who you were at the beginning. Okay, so I am going to finish with three quick fire questions that I ask all my guests. The first one is, what song do you listen to when you want to feel inspired?
1: Okay, it's mildly embarrassing. George Michael's Freedom Night.
0: <laughs> no, I love that. That's awesome.
1: <laughs> we ran a 4-day adult summer camp at the end of every summer called Camp GLP and we had like 450 people come from around the world and live communally in bunks. And the last year of it actually um was the year that I built my guitar and at the very end of it, like the final Sunday morning, I brought the guitar out and but sort of like the the motto, actually I played a different song that day, but but we had this habit of sort of like Basically, blasting that song and getting the camp band together and playing it. For me, there's something about that song that just takes me somewhere.
0: <laughs> so, the second question is what small thing sparked you this week?
1: There are so many, but I'm going to just bring this present. I mean, literally, this conversation, you know, the ability to co create a moment with somebody who's just such an awesome, big hearted human being and be present in this conversation with you is beautiful.
0: I feel like this conversation is why I wanted to do this podcast. This was what inspired me was having these types of conversations and being able to learn, me learn more, but be able to share that with my audience exactly like a sage would do. (laughs) So finish this sentence. When I feel inspired, I feel
1: at home. At home with myself, at home with the world, at home Uh, with my relationships with who I am and how I step into the world.
0: Jonathan, thank you so much. I'm so honored that we had this conversation today.
1: Uh, Thanks so much for inviting me. It's really been a joy.
0: He's so amazing, right? When I listen back to that... I was so grounded and the reason why was because he was so grounded. He's so grounded, like just in his answers. He's so calm and it just goes to show how people can inspire you, right? Like the type of energy that you bring into the room, that matters because that affects everybody else. And I just, I love how calming he is. And that assessment is so amazing. It was so dead on accurate for me and my entire family. I continue to reference his book over and over. In fact, every friend that has called me and said, you know, I don't really know what I'm doing, or I'm not sure what to do next, or I feel a bit bit lost. I tell them you have to get sparked. You have to get it. You have to do the assessment. It's going to tell you everything that you need to know about yourself. So you know what to do next. And I'm really curious what your spark type is. So if you take this assessment, make sure to let me know. You can screen capture this podcast, put it on your Insta stories, share what your spark type is. I'm so curious how accurate it is for you as it was for me and my entire family. And you can take the assessment by clicking the link in the show notes. You can also go to Jonathan's website, which is just his name, it's jonathanfields.com. That's J-O-N-A-T-H-A-N-F-I-E-L-D-S.com. You can also purchase the book wherever good books are sold. And I can't wait to hear what your spark type is. If this episode inspired you, please make sure to share with someone else or on your social media, and also make sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Thank you for listening to Bouncing Forward.